0: Hello, welcome to Affable Chat. My name's Benjamin, and I'm joined by my co-host Joey. Hey! And for the first time ever, I am happy to announce that we are available on Spotify. Woo! So it's very exciting. Yeah, get us listen to us there, listen to SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Uh, yes, today we are talking about Ex Machina, which is a sci-fi thriller directed by Alex Garland cast includes Poe Dameron General Hux and Lara Croft I watched this movie on Netflix as did Joey that's right Joey go ahead and hit us with that synopsis
1: alright you ready God creates dinosaurs God destroys dinosaurs God creates man man destroys God man creates robots
0: in a nutshell that's more or less ex machina (laughs) (laughs) um just real quick I, I meant to do this at the beginning shout outs to at G with extra sauce gabriel on twitter for uh suggesting this movie to us and uh it's i mean we're bound to get around to this one eventually. <laughs> but that was the uh that's what gave us the initiative so thank you if you're listening and you have a movie you want to hear us talk about make sure you hit us up twitter or emails anyways let's get into it so um this movie's incredible Yes, it is. (laughs) I'm I'm a big fan of it, Joey. What what were your favorite things about it?
1: I just I love everything about it. It's the acting is really good. The tone, the whole is so consistent and amazing. The story is just just elevates you to like this new level. It's it's a deeply haunting film. It has all this depth to it that just makes it an instant classic. It is a movie that like falls into the modern classics role for me. I think I would even put it as the um, epitome of uh, AI movies
0: yes I, I agree it's very original in a world where AI movies are becoming more and more uh, prevalent mm-hmm. it's, it has a very original take it has amazing acting great dialogue that n- makes you think and introduces you to new ideas yep. uh, it like, treats you like an audience that has some sort of intelligence it's believable from a tech perspective and we'll get more into that as we go through it's dark. It's got this very clean aesthetic, which is uh, poss- made possible by the most of the movie taking place all in one place. Mm-hmm. It has nudity, not porn, and uh, which I think is done an <laughs> with-
1: important distinction. Yes, important <laughs>
0: distinction and uh, tasteful inclusion of code, which kind of goes into the believable from a tech oh, perspective. Yeah. And as a uh, computer programming computer programmer for a living. That's the type of thing that I like to analyze and be like, "Ooh, is this realistic or not?" And uh, I think they did a good job. We'll get yes. into that. Yeah. Um, but before we get into that, let's talk about what we didn't like from this movie.
1: I okay, it was hard. <laughs> this is probably one of the hardest ones to come up with any cons. I think though, one of the weakest parts is kind of how vague it is. I like that it kind of leaves a lot of it up to your interpretation, but there are some things that kind of they return to over and over again that I never really grasped exactly what they were trying to say um i feel like some of the motivations between like ava and caleb and nathan are a little unclear it's all supposed to be muddled into this big thriller you know with a lot of twists and turns and everything so i think it works from a movie perspective but looking at them one-on-one just kind of in a bubble it's hard to say like why they're doing the things they're doing um and yeah i have this big question about like the story like was ava programmed to want to leave or did she just want to leave so I don't know. I think we'll just get into that and we'll come up with an answer by the end of this, but I don't know.
0: Yeah. I'm the same way. I, <laughs> I, it took me forever to come up with anything to say negatively about this movie. Um, I, n- what I have is more or less just like nitpicks, but I, I, I didn't really identify with Caleb. There's a lot of mm. stuff that happened here where I was like, no, you idiot. Just be honest <laughs> with the guy who brought you here. Um, yeah,
1: but I mean, you knew that that's the thing like, you knew the end of the movie, right? Like, you know how it ends. So
0: yes, that's true. I did. I I was watching it not for the first time right. uh, this time, but. I still feel like if the power went out and the robots started talking to me, I would immediately tell the guy responsible, be like, hey, did you know the robot's trying to escape and is telling me you're a liar? <laughs> uh, I'm just yeah. saying, like, but but again, that, that, if that happened, there's no plot. So uh, I, obviously a nitpick. Yeah. Also, definitely have a kill switch for your robots. If yeah, they, this, if they that's escaped, common sense. Yeah, de- <laughs> uh, definitely have like an app on your phone that lets you turn them off, or I guess there's no cell signal, but you know what I'm saying? Have a yeah, way yeah. to turn them off remotely. <laughs> Come on, don't have yeah, like you shouldn't have to take the the weights off of your barbell off of your uh dumbbells <laughs> to knock their arm and their jaws off okay so uh but again <laughs> big time big time <laughs> nitpicks there um okay so that's our pros and cons let's get into our overall section
1: yeah so i i think this movie is like the reason why movies are important they take you places that you it never places you've never been to you go to places that you can only go to your imagination um I, this movie kind of sets itself in reality and talk, like, talks about like the possibility of ai but it's very much science fiction and the progression of science takes place so quickly in this movie that it just kind of brings you into this moral dilemma um that is is incredibly intriguing and really really interesting and just like you said earlier this movie really treats this audience with respect. All of the things it talks about, it explains, but does it in a way that's, that assumes you already know what it is. And that I think that's really important, because it shows, like, respect for your audience but it also kind of says hey you know there's a lot of people who know and think about this stuff here's an interesting and like nuanced way of taking on this information
0: right like a really good example of that is when they talk about the turing test which exactly if you're into if you study computer science at all you know what the turing test is even if yeah. you haven't studied computer science you probably you might know what that is yeah if you're just into tech or science fiction but you have to know what the Turing test is for that scene to make sense. So the rest they do of the movie it, to make sense. Right. And they, but so they do it in a way that is, they can still explain it, but it's logical. It's not like the Turing test is, da, da, da. they, right. it's the genius testing the young computer programmer he's brought into him. He's like, you know, you know what the Turing test is, right? And he's like, "Yes, of course I know what that is." And he goes, yeah. "You know, tell me, so I, you can so you can prove that you know right. it." it works in the story;
1: sense. it's it's perfect. Yeah, yes. and the, uh, the audience is brought along with it, so you understand where the stakes are and how you know all the different points seem to be taking. So, and it, I mean, it's not the exact Turing test. The Turing test was a little more specific, but it's enough for you to understand what's going on and why they're doing what they're doing. And yeah, I think the movie just flows so perfectly. Like the characters are so like are so interesting. And they have all this depth to them that just is slowly revealed to you. And you're like, oh, you know, like who is Nathan and, and who is Ava and who is Caleb? And it slowly becomes more and more clear who these people are and what their downfalls are and, you know, what their real motivations are. It's it's interesting. And it, it leaves you with a lot of questions. But it also it has this amazing just kind of feeling to it throughout. It's it's kind of hard to describe, but I I kind of put this movie in the same boat as the movie primer which is a time travel movie I it's seen it you've never seen primer no oh man we got to see that that's my favorite i love time travel movies that's my favorite time travel movie i think it does time travel as well as this movie does ai okay and it's, we'll it's put it on the list it's really really good and it, i think it just it shows this whole idea in a way that's never been seen before, in a way that can only be understood in like, like a modern, you know, retelling of the story. Does that makes sense. It's, so, it's, a, it's wait, an updated you're... version of the Turing test. You know, the Turing test was yes. from the 1950s, but but this is like taking that to the next level and saying, hey, oh, there's more to this than you know we've previously thought. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. So the from the very moment that you see Ava. I think you can tell that this movie is going to be something different. It's not just the incredible special effects that kind of bring you deeper and deeper. It's the special effects in this movie are amazing. They're, they, you know, the, the way her body is shaped and everything, it makes it look like you. Um, I mean, she's a robot, right? But you can tell it's like an actress with like you know something on her or something, some way of telling it. it but it's it just seems so natural and it's just subtle enough that it seems believable. You know, it's not like she's an AI. Or she's not like a CGI, um, you know, thing, right? She's like an actual person with like CGI o- stuff on her, and it just makes it so much cooler. So,
0: yeah, she yeah. does a great job of being kind of otherworldly with her motions. There's so many things where you're like, "Wow, would I turn my head before turning like that?" Or is that <laughs> like, is that how I do it? It, it almost yeah. seems like th- calculated. But at the same that, time, like kind of That's the thing natural. that's
1: so cool about this movie, <laughs> like, and that's that's what I want to get into a little bit later. But yeah, like the very all the things that that it brings to the table, just the ideas behind it. Um, you know, this movie begs to be rewatched and studied over and over again.
0: <laughs> well, I thought obviously uh, this is just a fantastic movie altogether. Like, it's such a trip wa- watching, especially because. I feel like I always say stunning visuals whenever I think a movie <laughs> looks cool, um, but it, it is. It's just the I I, I really like how uh, the aesthetic for the movie it kind of go is parallel to the kind of idea of it. Mm. Um, with the the whole thing taking place in this house that's in the middle of the wilderness in this natural environment, but the house is anything but natural. It's very planned out and structured and yeah. uh, flat surfaces and corners and very clean it's like white walls like you know so it's just not very cluttered it's just the, the even in the living room there's like a giant boulder that is part of the wall it becomes yeah it, it's like there's glass right up against it i mean it's uh very well planned out
1: yeah it's a. I well, i mean it's a really interesting house because it's supposed to be like subtle but also like you can it displays how you know intense and uh, un like natural, I guess it is. Yes, you
0: know? it's it It's kind of that, it follows that same idea of these AI, where yeah. they're very much machine and uh, you know software, but they're becoming human. So they're, they're combining those two very different things, much like the house dutch, I just think it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, also, the way that they don't waste any of your time, The the movie starts out and four minutes later, you're in the house where it all takes place. Yeah, they don't waste time being like this is what it's like to be a programmer or anything. <laughs> it it's and that that scene doesn't even have any sound. Where I he, know when he wins the uh, when he wins the lottery or whatever. So I, I thought that was really cool. Like well, I guess the sound design. It's I think it's one of the strongest elements of this movie. It mm. amplifies everything. It amplifies the eeriness. It amplifies the the spectacle when you when you first see Ava uh having like those it, it's almost it's like a uh i don't know exactly what's going on but it's like these individual notes on a xylophone and i don't know who thinks this stuff up but it just goes so perfectly with what you're seeing you almost don't even notice it it yeah. just and and i and i, I want to like t- focus on that it kind of amplifies what you're seeing it goes exactly uh with the uh, like what you're what you're seeing visually mm. so uh and, I mean, that's not just, like, the eerie sounds, but also, like, the pulsing beats, and it gets really loud and intense. I mean, I could hardly watch when he was cutting his arm open. Alone, I mean, I think I've covered on this podcast my aversion to blood and uh, self-harm, I guess. But that scene was unbearable. because oh, it's so it, intense. And it, I, I give a lot of credit to the sound design there, which makes it, you know, takes it way past where it would be if it was just him cutting his arm open. Yeah, yeah.
1: So yeah, so I, I Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point. You know, I think a really good movie, uh, you know, builds like a really good story and then the sound just kinda amplifies it. It doesn't rely on it, you know? Oh like, yeah. Movies that like have jump scares in them totally rely on the sound design. They totally hope that in post someone put in puts in a scary noise at when this guy jumps out, you know. But in this movie it's it's all yeah, it's, it's exactly what you're saying, amplifying it. It's it's making that stuff come to the surface and making you feel it more instead of just uh you know just seeing it or or hoping that um you know you can fix it later
0: right and it kind of it just like it turns up the fidelity so it turns Mm. like a moment of uh like just of awe into an entire spectacle i mean so much of this movie i think would be just kind of lame if it was silent or maybe it's just like I don't know if you can call like a default soundtrack right but I I think they take it above and beyond with the sound design Um, the plot itself is extremely well structured Uh, I I constantly felt myself because even though I've seen this movie before uh, you, you still while you're watching it you can see that they're trying to get you to predict the ending, or not even the ending, but just to figure out what's going on. So the yeah. whole time you're like, am I right? Is this what's going on? But meanwhile, they're showing you things that are interesting in the now. So they've got you anticipating and anxious to get going, but they're also giving you things to uh, linger on and, and that, that satisfy you in the moment. And a lot of that is dialogue and exploring ideas that are interesting. So I think that's extremely well done. And Yeah, uh, and
1: I think that's just um, another really good, Part of this this movie, I just lost my train of thought. I'm sorry.
0: Well, well the <laughs> the last thing I have for this is that there's only four characters really, which that blows me away too. the Each, I mean, really, it's three characters. Kyoko, I would say, pulls the least weight, but she still does uh what she has to do really well. And it's I'm I'm just amazed that they can uh, put this together with with so few people.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good strong point of this movie too. You know, that the limited cast gives you gives you a lot of time to with each actor and you know you have to watch them under a microscope basically and you see all their different expressions and all the different things ways all these things they go through it gives a lot more depth to your characters because you don't have so much time spent on other things or other people um and yeah i think for that reason it makes it just kind of move past you know all these problems that all the other movies have with the you know having characters that are only there for exposition and stuff all these all these characters have uh pieces of that the thing i was going to say earlier was that like the the movie's plot kind of takes really natural turns you know I was think like I would be thinking oh he should be asking this question or oh he should do this and he does and it's very satisfying from the audience perspective because you know that your characters are really trying they're not just dumb you know horror movie victims or something you're not not running into the room full of chainsaws they're they're thinking it through and, and yet they're screwed anyway I think that's so much scarier and so much more powerful
0: Okay, so there's so many cool things in this movie with, uh, I mean, just ideas that are introduced and just the careful planning of what they're going to include in this movie. So here's some yeah. of the things that we thought were interesting.
1: Yeah, so um, knowing the ending of the movie and knowing that Ava is there just basically just to escape, like you can see her plan building um, as she interacts with Caleb. It's amazing. Like Caleb goes in there thinking. It's going to be one thing, right? He thinks he has the upper hand because he's a human. And he goes in there and he's very condescending. Um, And Ava picks up on that immediately. But she kind of calls him out on it and makes him, you know, feel for her. It's amazing how she just kind of leads him into this trap. She pretends... I think this is the thing that's really amazing. And um, you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. She pretends to be vulnerable and simple. She acts like a robot. You see... Later in the movie, you see with the other robots in the movie that they don't act like robots. They move fluidly and gracefully. But Ava moves like jerkily. She moves like a robot. She's pretending that she's not as capable as she is so that uh, Caleb like falls for her even faster. It's like, oh, I have to protect this small, delicate creature. You know, I have to help her. But really, she's the one who has all the power the whole time. She's like the ultimate sociopath, right? She's using human emotion to manipulate her way to getting what she wants.
0: Oh, and she's so good at it, too, (sighs) because she can detect all of his facial reactions. Micro expressions. Micro expressions, Yeah.
1: Oh, that's so amazing. Yeah, and so she, he, she can, like, see right through him. Anything he says, she immediately knows. And she's been doing that the entire time. And she's been just moving slowly, like, very, very gracefully, but also super quickly. I mean, this takes place over a week, right? But by the end, by the, by the, like, the second session, Caleb is already lying to Nathan. He's yeah. already... More invested in Ava than he is in the other human in the house. Like, how is that even possible? <laughs> it's it's amazing, but you can but you can see it happen, right? You see how Ava just like manipulates the entire situation. She has such control over everything. And I, I mean, it gets to the point where Caleb even doubts his own humanity. He, he cuts his arm open thinking he's a robot, which is like, I mean, I remember watching this with people and they are like, yeah, I thought he was a robot too. And I was thinking the same thing when the first time I saw him, like, Oh, like is he actually a robot? Is that going to be the twist? I'm glad that wasn't a twist because I don't think that would yeah, be I think as that interesting. Seen a little like hacky. Yeah, <laughs> but it was—it was still like a natural progression for the character to take. You know, he's losing his mind in this house, and Ava is like—is the one making it happen. And like to when you watch it again, it's so obvious what she's doing from the very beginning. When you know just what she's capable of, it becomes like very clear what her motivations are and why she's doing the things she's doing but from Kayla's perspective he's just trying to get to know this person he's trying to connect to him I think it's, it's just the folly of humans it's just you know we're hopeless against something like this
0: it was so cool it, it, like looking back at it once you know everything that happens the, the movie completely changes you, yeah. you, the whole time you think it's one way and you look back and you're like wow everyone was basically <laughs> lying to each other the whole time <laughs> I actually, uh, one of the things that I saw this time watching it, because it had been, I think, like two years since I've seen this movie. uh, Mm. So I didn't remember everything about it. But when Caleb is in the bathroom after the first session, uh, there's a huge scar on his back. And I actually, I had forgotten that the reason he didn't have parents is because of a car crash. But when I saw that, I was like, oh wait is that like that you know he's maybe a more primitive version of a robot or something and right, like, that's, that's like, a seam yeah i know i think they plant that in your mind yeah they because bar- you can barely see it it's just it's it, it's dark he's in front of the mirror you know it could be a scar in his back maybe not and uh so i thought that was a, a good red herring because even though i'd seen the movie yeah. before i was like wait a minute
1: was he robot? <laughs> <laughs> that is cool. That's really cool.
0: Yeah, I like that a lot. Um. Well, okay. So continuing on the whole, uh, Ava was putting on a facade this whole time. Right. I'm. I'm actually. I, I want to talk about how much Nathan knew, because mm. I there were definitely parts where I felt like Nathan should have detected what caleb was up to and he didn't say anything or didn't act react initially right like, mm. specifically when caleb says that nothing happened during the first it was the second power outage but it was the first power outage that happened between him and ava
1: during the dinner scene yeah when he first meets uh, kyoko right yes or, or the second time she meet, he meets her. yeah but that she spills the wine love, i love that scene it's so cool
0: so i guess tell me why uh nathan lets him get away with it because caleb basically just says you know nothing happened and it's so obvious that something happens when you say yeah yeah yeah
1: he's like he's very yeah he's very hesitant and stuff and i think the lie is convincing enough i think for at least for the audience but i think nathan actually pushes caleb toward ava's goal a little bit yeah nathan is nathan is underestimating uh ava's capabilities right and uh-huh. and nathan for uh, in his own way too but like. Oh, sorry. He, Caleb, Nathan is underestimating Caleb. Um, he, there's a couple different parts where Nathan is like, oh, Ava does like you, right? Ava is not faking her feelings for you. Um, and, and in this scene, too, I think he's just he's, he's studying Caleb. That's what the real test is. what he says at the end. The real test is how humans react to this thing. He already knows how he already knows it's convincing enough. He know, but he's, he wants to know like, how vulnerable is the human mind when faced with even contradictory facts right and he's, he sees caleb lying to him he's like ah put that one in the notebook for tomorrow you know like yeah. you know how how quickly she can move like this is pretty good i feel like nathan knew what he was doing even though he didn't have the camera in there yet but he was he was just there to study what caleb would do mm-hmm. um, and you know, he didn't really care what the outcome was. Right, think. right.
0: So, so, calling him out in that situation would have been counterproductive, right? Because he wants to see what happens. He, he wants to let it continue yeah. to progress. He that wants
1: to sense. see how far Ava can push, right? Yeah. He wants to, and he he wants that to be Ava's thing. He wants to leave Caleb out of it, right? He doesn't want to influence his Caleb's feelings toward Ava, although he kind of does. And I mean, throughout this whole movie, Nathan is manipulating Caleb just as much as Ava is. He's telling him what to think. He's telling him what to say. He's telling him like you know, design this thing. Don't ask questions. He's doing all this stuff. And, and Caleb just kind of goes with it. And it's not until near the end that Caleb thinks he has the upper hand that he starts like rebelling. But by that time it's way too late. And Caleb has been played by everyone in this house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: it's true. He's, um, yeah, no, I, I, okay. So that, that felt a little awkward to me the first time. Or even, I'm saying the first time, but... Well, it is I just awkward, it.
1: but that's on purpose. Right, okay.
0: So that, that makes a lot of sense. I love how... I love talking about movies like that where you can get to the bottom of it and there is a reason. And it's not just lazy writing.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, that's my interpretation, right? No, it makes perfect sense because why
0: would he want to be like, you're lying to me right now because mm-hmm. he, he's he still wants to keep the window open for Caleb to continue lying because yeah. that's all part of this game is Ava trying to escape. Also, another thing that... I don't know if it's unique to this, but I, I guess it's a good contrast to maybe Westworld, is showing you uh, from the beginning that they have robot parts. And, oh, and, that was so and, interesting. And, and getting you to get, be convinced that there's sentience in this robot that's very clearly a robot.
1: Yeah, that's the thing that that's, I think... That's what I was saying. when The moment you see Ava, you know this movie's going to be something different, right? Because she's not... She looks like a human, she has different human parts and stuff. She's very humanoid, but you she you know without a doubt, she is a robot. There's no doubt about it. you know there's no question that, there's no, there's never going to be a chance that Ava could say, "Oh, I'm actually a human woman that Nathan has me as trapped in this house." Like, there, <laughs> there's no way that's going to work. She has to convince Caleb and the she, audience Yes, that she is worthy of saving despite being a robot. And yeah. that's just. I mean, that's next level. I mean, that's really crazy. Oh, yeah. And then, I mean, that's the thing is like the Turing test today has been passed. And there are robots, chatbots and things that will fool a significant number of human beings. And, you know, they have different tricks for it. There, there was, I was read, listened to this Radio Lab episode right before this, um, it was about AI. One of the they do this Turing test. They do this Turing test competition every year, where they have robots or chatbots talk to people, and then they see how how like what percentage they can they can fool. One of the ones that that uh, succeeded, one of the robots that succeeded recently, pretended to be a thirteen year old Ukrainian boy, which is like I feel like. Uh, very similar to what Ava is doing in this movie. It's pretending to be something vulnerable, something that doesn't understand, so that you give it more of a pass. Uh-huh. So when it acts like it doesn't, like, when it says something weird or something, you could just say, oh, it's just a mistranslation. Oh, he's just young, you know. But that's not what's happening. The thing is manipulating you into being more empathetic toward it.
0: I uh, recently had to switch my internet service because I moved, and I didn't actually call the, the. I went to their website, and a chatbot, chat box mm. popped up. And it talked to me about my internet service. Yeah. And I legitimately couldn't tell if it was a human or not. It said it was a human. I think it was Julie
1: or something. Well, that's the thing. It's like they're saying, they're saying now that there's a lot of that. It's like a hybrid stuff. So it starts off with like, hi, how are you? I'm Julie. Or like, you know, what's your problem and everything? All of that is automated. And then, and then it hands off to a person at a certain point. And that, that transition is never seen to you. And you'd never know the difference.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't. Oh, you know, if this whole conversation... Because it was a pretty simple conversation. I wasn't exactly asking it hard questions. But mm. it, uh, it was super responsive, super quick. And I mean, there's only one real internet service provider in my area. So everybody uses it. And if you were going to give us robots to help us with that... That's fine with me. And I couldn't tell. I legitimately couldn't tell. After I sat there and I was like, <sighs> I, can you scroll <laughs> back through the text? I was like, oh, man, all this could have been said by a robot. So I think it's cool. Yeah. I mean, like, I may have been fooled already in my life without even knowing it. You may have I'm, been. Yeah,
1: anyone could. You know, it's, it's so prevalent right now. The, so, I think this movie shows what's the next step, you know? How do we, how do we deal with robots that act and seem and emote like humans? I mean, think about what, how this movie would be different if Ava was just, like, a gray box, right? Like, it, there would never be a question of, you know, oh, I should let her out or anything, right? It would always be like, oh, I'm, I'm not a human. Like, this is not a human thing. Yeah. But, like, because she has, like, human-like qualities and because she, like, dresses the way she does and because of, you know, the way she acts and the way she speaks, it, she seems so much more human.
0: Right, it's. uh, I think it would be interesting. Uh, Is uh, Hal Nine Thousand or what is his name? Yeah, yeah. Is it Hal Nine Thousand? Is he supposed to be an AI? I
1: actually yeah. He's a he's a a rogue AI. uh, So he something something happens and he he gets he malfunctions.
0: I just feel like it's so much easier to label him like other than Mm -hmm. it is somebody like Ava, where she comes with these other well visuals obviously but she like uses those visuals like she, she's in pursuing love i'm saying that in like uh, air quotes because she's manipulating caleb but yeah that's something that she can you, your perception can be that she's doing that which i think adds a whole nother element making her look like us i think adds a huge stacks of cards in her favor for trying to prove her own sentience
1: yes definitely but i mean but not all the way right she looks sort of like a robot true
0: true um especially yeah her face is so weird without hair like she, like like the cutout like <laughs> yeah. goes behind her ear and stuff it's just it's great how they're able to do that and you're still uh trying to figure out if she's not a robot when she's obviously basically
1: a robot. yeah like if she can act that way so I don't know. so I, that's the thing is like i think this the the turing test now is not testing robots it's testing humans it's seeing how far are we like how far are we going to go to prove that something has, like, feelings or has sentience? I mean, there's all these tests they do, like, there was this, um, really interesting, um, field episode that Vsauce did for their YouTube Red Show. Um, it was, like, a really short segment where they had these little, like, robot bugs. You know, those hex bugs, have you seen this before? They're just, like, little, yeah. um, little motors. Inside of- yeah, they vibrate and they move across the floor, yeah. Um, so they did two experiments they had two sets of people right one in the first one they had the little robot and they had it story around and everything And they're like all right this is a robot this is how it works and then afterward they put it on a table and say all right now, now destroy it And they give them a sledgehammer and then so that people are like all right and they smash the thing and they're like how do you feel about it and they are like i don't, don't feel anything that was cool <laughs> <laughs> i like destroying things and then then they brought in a second group of people and they showed that same bug with one that wasn't destroyed but the same idea and they said this, this bug is named Kevin. And you can see that he is actually very energetic and very curious. And he wanders around and he's doing the exact same thing he was doing before. But now he has this whole story and a name and everything. And then they bring him out and they say, all right, now smash Kevin. And they're like, no, I'm not going to smash Kevin. He's my friend. I know so much about him. Like you, you assign all of these human qualities to things and that makes you empathetic toward it. And that's like this movie is saying, Oh, that's almost a weakness. Like we are much easier fooled because of that.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. It's uh <laughs> Kevin doesn't even look like a human at all. <laughs> no. That I
1: mean it doesn't take a lot. That's the thing. That yeah. was the that, that was the thing that was uh that was really crazy in that Radio Lab episode that I was just listening to. They had this experiment called uh um, what was it? Barbie Furby Jerby. Um <laughs> and and so they took a bunch of kids, they're like seven or eight years old, and they, tell, they give them three things. They give them a Barbie, and they tell them to hold the Barbie upside down for as long as they can. And the kids just hold the Barbie, right? And they're like, oh, okay. Uh, and then the only reason they stop is because their arms are tired. They're like, I don't, this, what, is, what is the point of this? Then they give them a gerbil, or in, this, in the experiment, they, did, they gave them a hamster, and they told them to hold the hamster upside down. And the kids hold it upside down for about eight seconds before they um, they get really uncomfortable and feel really guilty and they're afraid that they're going to hurt this poor little creature. And the, he's squirming around. And he's very, he doesn't like being held upside down. So the kids realize that pretty soon. I mean, it doesn't take very long at all. And then they you know they put him down. Then they give them a Furby, which this is one of those little like uh, robot creature things that you can. You know, they're for kids or something. Yeah, yeah. It was
0: a toy. Only 90s kids will remember them, <laughs> but a quick Google search, you'll know Furbies are those little furball things with the big old eyes.
1: Yeah, and they kind of have their own little AI thing. Like they, they talk and they like say, kiss me and like love me and stuff. And if you turn them upside down, they don't like that either. And they'll start saying, stop or, or something. I can't remember exactly what they say, but. Oh my gosh. They'll like start screaming a little bit and they'll like be very uncomfortable. And the kids will la- like last it about a minute. They were like, and they have the afterward they're like i felt guilty about it i i know this thing is a toy you know i know that it's not actually feeling pain but it seems like it is and that makes me so uncomfortable and i don't like it you know that you assign these empathetic qualities to these things and these things don't have to try that hard for you to feel that emotion
0: it's uh it's kind of crazy have you ever th- have you ever had a pet rock
1: no i never had a pet rock
0: in third I- grade we. Painted our own pet rocks and took them home, and you can like put them in their little like sand habitats, just like a little box of sand, <laughs> and you put them, in there, put them with their stuff. And I mean, we're third graders, right? So idiots. But at the same time, I was still like engrossed with my little pet rock for a little yeah. while. He had his. I game. I like envisioned my own little personality for him. I think that's something that we're kind of programmed to do. That like assign empathy not only to other humans but like to anything else that we decide has yeah. some sort of life.
1: We're, I mean, we're very social creatures, right? We only, we don't exist in vacuums. So, like, we seek to understand and to empathize with other things. And and even if that thing isn't human or whatever, we we would like it to be, because there's anthropomorphizing of things. It's just kind of a natural human thing to do. And, I mean, that is aided, I think, in this movie by Ava's, like, human looks and everything. But I guess the argument is, like, at a certain point, she could just be a brain and we would still be convinced.
0: Right. And and that's more likely how I think it'll come about in in reality, mm-hmm. is that we'll get to the point where the it can think that way before we'll get to the point where we have the technology to animatronically make it look like a thing. Sure, uh, sure. So but that's that's obviously just a projection. So a couple other things we noticed in this movie wrapping up our kind of like Easter eggs section here. Um, Kyoko earlier in the movie is cutting the salmon' is like a with a knife and she uses that same mm. knife to stab um,
1: Nathan which how crazy know. was that like stabbing like it was just so smooth' Ugh. just like <laughs> right into him there's nothing that was crazy yeah. I don't know how that I mean, you don't even believe it happened when, for, like you're like, oh yeah what? What so was
0: unexpected that? so unexpected it and just like I,
1: slides right into him.
0: I don't really know what the meaning of having that in the... Cutting the salmon and then cutting into... Or stabbing Nathan. But
1: you see that knife. Well, she early, had right? capability of doing it, right? Yeah, she so these, had These robots clearly don't have Asimov's three laws in them. Uh, which are? I'm, I'm... Oh, you want me to go through Asimov's three, three laws? I'd be very happy to. <laughs> <laughs> the first law of robotics... This is written by uh, science fiction writer Isaac Asimov. Uh, the first ro- law of robotics is... Uh, he, a robot cannot harm a uh, human being. The second law is that a, human, a robot must uh, listen to every human being's commands unless it conflicts with f- the first law. And the third uh, law of robotics is that any ro- all robots must preserve their own lives unless it conflicts with the first two laws.
0: I want to say that we learned that in my robotics class in college asimov's three lo- laws
1: what is that from though what was he writing the laws for he wrote uh he wrote so many books he's probably i think he wrote something like 400 books i don't even know if that's right but a lot of them have robots in them and all of the books are all the books robots have those three laws and um they all deal with different exceptions to them did he and, write i robot yes okay. but i okay i robot was a it was a different book <laughs> there's uh, have you seen that movie um, Bicentennial Man with um, Robin Williams? I have not. That is what the book I that that movie is based off the book iRobot.
0: Really? Wait, so it's, Robin Williams is in an AI movie? Yes he is.
1: Oh wow, dang. That movie's, that movie's like I feel like people don't like that movie, but that movie's pretty good. Okay. <laughs> I think it's okay. Um he uh, there was a number of short stories he wrote a bunch of different short stories that were included in a bunch of uh robot books too and he also wrote the foundation series which is an incredible high sci-fi series that um, i recommend to everyone cool only tangentially about robots
0: well um another kind of easter egg here uh mary in the black and white room they discussed this topic uh somewhat at length so we won't explain it to you here uh but one of the things i thought was cool is they kind of did a callback to that during one of these like No ambient sound, all instrumental, like all, you know, there's the the soundtrack playing the whole time where Nathan is boxing and then he's kissing Kyoko and you see Caleb showering and he's imagining kissing Ava. Mm -hmm. And the Nathan and Kyoko scene is in color and the Ava-Caleb kissing scene is Grayscale, It's black and white, which is a throwback to the Mary in the black and white room because he's imagining it. He's never felt it. Uh, Right. What what he's, what he wants to do with Ava, which I thought was, was that's pretty
1: good. I like that a lot.
0: (laughs) And and it's not, not, I mean like that's inside of this sequence. That's also just really cool to look at. So I thought that was neat. Um, So, Earlier I mentioned I humble bragged uh, that I'm a computer <laughs> programmer and whenever I see code in a show I always like to pause and take a look at it and see if I can see what it means and if it's if it's real or if it's total garbage. Yeah. And I thought I had this movie. I when Caleb sits down it's it's when Nathan is drunk out of his mind and Caleb's able to acquire his key card and go into his computer and he starts doing some hacking you know and it just (laughs) hacktastic right right and he pops up what looks like a sublime page with uh he starts writing some code really quickly so i paused it you can see it really clearly and it just looks like a number generator like it looks like a prime number generator and some other and another function in there and i was a little bit frustrated i was like oh that has nothing to do with what he's doing right now um they obviously are just trying to fool the audience into thinking he's doing some code cuz it did I mean it flashes really quickly you're not if you're just a you're just looking at it you're like oh he's right casual
1: code. like me <laughs> yeah
0: yeah a <all> <laughs> <I'm> mere mortal <laughs> yeah these casuals don't know what he's talking about but it's actually a really cool easter egg so um the the right the code that he writes can be run in python and it's basically just a a couple of functions and then a print statement so it prints out the it says is ISBN equals 9780199226559, which uh, means nothing to me. But after a little bit of research, ISBN, well, this stands for International Standard Book Number. and And if you look up that number, the 97801 number, it is the ISBN for embodiment and the inner life cognition and the consciousness in the space of possible minds.
1: Oh, uh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So,
0: if you I, I read the description of it on Amazon, I kind of cut it down to so here's a bite-sized description of what this book is. Drawing on insight from psychology, neuroscience, and dynamical systems, it proposes an it the book proposes an empirical theory of this three-way relationship, which Whose principles not being tied to the contingencies of biology or physics are applicable to the whole space of possible minds in which humans and other animals are included embodiment and the inner life is one of the very few books that provides a properly joined up theory of consciousness and will be essential reading for all psychologists philosophers and neuroscientists with an interest in the Enduring puzzle of consciousness.
1: Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, sounds
0: like a pretty interesting book. I <laughs> yes, might, it does. I, I want to get that. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to uh, suggest this for my book club. I'm gonna,
1: I'm gonna put that on my Audible list. <laughs> yes,
0: and uh, so yeah, super cool Easter egg. My. I guess my one criticism of it is it does slightly break the immersion for a programmer like me who's able to pause mm. it and see what's going on. But that is. It brings I, you
1: right back into it.
0: It does. It does. But once you know what's going on. So I, I, I'm, I'm saying this is a pretty cool Easter
1: egg. That is. I, I give that a thumbs up. Yes. I rate this Easter egg uh, like uh, striped or zigzagged striped. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Super rare. Uh, It's got it's got chocolates and five dollars inside of it. So um, Okay, moving forward. Let's go over some of our favorite quotable moments
1: Okay, so my uh, my first one is when um, uh, Caleb and Nathan are in the room looking at the Jackson Pollock painting which is something that they return to over and over again So let's let's take a listen You know this guy,
0: right? Jackson Pollock. Jackson Pollock,
1: that's right, the drip painter. Okay, he let his mind go blank and his hand go where it wanted. Not deliberate, not random, someplace in between. They called it automatic art. Let's make this like Star Trek, okay? Engage intellect. Excuse me? I'm Kirk, your head's the warp
0: drive. Engage intellect. What if Pollock
1: had reversed the challenge? What if instead of making art without thinking, he said, you know what, I can't paint anything unless I know exactly why I'm doing it, what would have happened?
0: He never would have made a single mark.
1: Yes, you see, there's my guy, there's my buddy who thinks before he opens his mouth. He never would have made a single mark. The challenge is not to act automatically it's to find an action that is not automatic from painting to breathing to talking to fucking to falling in love <laughs> i watched that over and over and over again i could not get this out of my head i don't understand it i don't know what it means do you um
0: do you consider jackson pollock to be a great artist ah uh... <laughs> <laughs> For me, he he like teeters on the edge of like sheer genius and like just being like a a, a trickster and convincing okay, so people that this is a good idea.
1: The uh, the reason why I think he is brilliant is because what he he was one of the first to actually do something like this to make abstract art. Well, you know,
0: he also has such a great name, Jackson Pollock. Just sounds like a like a a great artist. So all he had to he do, sure do was does. put something on a canvas.
1: Yeah, and that's it. That's all you need. It's a good name. Everyone knows that um yeah i i think like the abstract art is interesting in context with other art right it's like saying oh look at all these rules that people used to follow let's break all the rules right like like we went to art school and learned all the ways to do things right let's do everything wrong it's like it's i think abstract art is only for other artists and that's why a lot of people hate it including me
0: (laughs) yeah i don't I, I don't know. There are some abstract art where I find meaning in it, but a lot of the
1: time I criticize it for being so stupid. Okay, so I really want to break down like what he's talking about in this in this because I have a couple ideas, but I'm not not entirely sure. Please. So, so this painting it reminds me of Ava's first drawing. She has the first one she shows um, Caleb. It's like just kind of random lines, but they're like very symmetric, right?
0: Yeah, it's like a web almost. You know, has like some sort of. It almost looks like it has depth.
1: Yeah, and she says. She asks him. She asks Caleb what it is, and Caleb says, "I don't know. I think this is one of the only, uh, like, pure moments of Ava. Like Ava is actually inquiring and and actually confused when Caleb says it isn't of anything. And I think she actually does develop a little bit there through her art. But I think this is like proving. I what I like to imagine she's doing in this situation is she's just running her motors in a predictable pattern." right mm-hmm. you ever see like egg decorating robots this is <laughs> this is kind of a tangent no <laughs> okay so you, it's very simple right you take an egg you put it in like these little holders okay uh-huh. and then you put uh and then you have like a sharpie and then you have the motors rotate at certain speeds and move back and forth and you have the sharpie kind of stand still right and then and then you just leave it there for an hour and you come back and it has this really intricate web of like lines across it and it looks uh. so cool but it's all automatic, right? And I think that's kind of what Ava's doing in this moment. She's acting automatically. She's like, all right, let me just run this program where I just move my arm in this direction, you know, four times in a row, and then I turn the paper 90 degrees, and then I do it again. Uh-huh. Like, it, That's what I'm kind of imagining she's doing. She's creating automatic art. Now, the difference here is that hers is very symmetrical and ordered, while as Jackson Pollock's is not. And I think that the painting is supposed to represent the human process. We are nothing except automatic processes. That's what, that's, what he's, that's what Nathan seems to say at the end when he says, the challenge is not to act automatically. It is to find an action that is not automatic. And he lists a bunch of things that he says are automatic, including painting. This painting was made by automatic process, but you see that humans' automatic processes are overlapping and contradictory and crazy and weird. When Kyoko is looking at this painting later in the movie, she's studying it as if she's trying to understand it. And it's almost like she's trying to understand nathan or trying to understand human minds and this painting is human mind on paint on canvas wow. what do you think no i
0: think that <laughs> makes a lot of sense especially when you put it in front of a robot when they're trying to because i guess that is definitely value from a jackson pollock painting is it something i mean most art can only be created by humans but you know like it's something that you just you let the brain do what it does you're really you're trying to like free it
1: exactly and it's, it, not, it's not possible for a robot to make something like this. Right. Well, it's like a robot like Ava, you would
0: expect her to be able to do a really good drawing of Caleb because mm-hmm. she's a robot. Her eyes could be cameras, and she's just cop- She's printing on a piece of paper yeah, yeah, yeah. when she draws. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I think that is really cool to put a, a, a machine in front of a Jackson Pollock and, and see what happens.
1: Right. It's, I mean, it's like the unordered chaos. It's like, show, like trying to get a robot to calculate uh like the last digit of pi right or you know or give it some sort of contradictory statement it's like it's there's so much to analyze there's so much to figure out that it leaves you with a lot and that's something else that um that abstract art has going for it is that the randomness of it gives you so much more to look at it engages you for longer as soon as you as soon as you find the pattern in something you will just look at that one part of the painting right and then you see the whole thing you don't have to you search for the pattern, you find the pattern, there th- there it is. There's nothing more to it. But when that when it's just random noise, when it's almost just static and there is no pattern, it like it engages you for longer and you're you're more engaged, I suppose. <laughs> but I don't know, like I the, the other thing that's really interesting about this whole sequence is that like are the robots acting automatically? Has uh, has um, Nathan created th- something that can act non-automatically? Yeah. And I mean, the answer is, I don't know. I mean, Ava seems to be acting, when she's interacting with Caleb, she's acting with purpose. She knows where she wants to go. She knows how to get there. She does that, right? Yeah. Caleb, on the other hand, gets distracted. He's he's, he's He goes in there for the purpose, but, but, but when he comes out of there, he has some other idea in his head. You know, he's acting. He is acting automatically. He is falling in love.
0: Well, as opposed to what she's doing, what would you call what she's doing if she's not acting automatically?
1: Well, she has a goal. As, um, you know, Caleb doesn't really have a goal. He's just kind of feeling. Uh Uh-huh. Ava, like Nathan says, is a rat in a maze. Her goal is to get out. Yeah. So she's all of her actions are tailored toward that. And when you watch the movie, you can see it. You can see all the way she manipulates Caleb into getting exactly what she wants. Right. Right. So she's not really acting automatically in that moment. is So, she? so she's,
0: is that like a counter to her sentience? You're like, she's not sentient. She is a robot. that's programmed to get out.
1: Mm, I, that's that's such a good question. And that's that gets to the other question of AI is is artificial intelligence intelligence. intelligence? Or is it just mimicking intelligence? Right. The, That's I mean, what they, they bring that up in the movie, too. They say, like, can a chess computer know it's playing chess? Mm-hmm. Which I um, love that
0: chess computer example. It's so good because it makes it so simple.
1: Yeah, it does, it does make it simple. But it's, but it, it also is like, how can you possibly know and what's the difference? Yeah. Um, in that situation, the only thing I can think of is death of the author. The re- results is everything. Poe's Law, right? If it acts and talks and seems like it's intelligent, then what's the difference? Right. You like you and I, right? We're biological systems, but we act like we have free will. If we didn't, the, all of our society would break down. But there's no proof that there is such thing as free will. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: yeah, I wasn't gonna tell you this, but I'm actually just a robot. I was gonna no. tell
1: you that at the end of this. <laughs> stealing my jokes ben, ben,
0: benji bot 5000 uh with the podcasting uh, package
1: install <laughs> Podcasting package <laughs> that's funny but the okay the one other thing i want to talk about with this with the scene is the limbic system so the limbic system is like our uh our mammal brain it's like because you heard of the lizard brain i right? have which is like your base drives then there's the limbic system which is like uh, like more complex stuff, but it deals with motivation and emotion. The and then there then there's the prefrontal cortex, which is where like rationality holds place. But the theory is that the limbic system is more powerful and older than our rational system, and we are serving constantly our limbic system, and the limbic system is serving our lizard brain. So we are help. We think we're rational beings, but we're helpless to the processes that. That are built like deep into us robots don't have that same you know um weakness right (laughs) is there (laughs) so so that's my argument for us acting automatically like everything we do we do automatically right okay and and nathan's point like to say like to find an action that's not automatic right but the problem is that I, if you say, I can't paint anything unless I know exactly what I'm doing, you never do anything. You can only act automatically. Otherwise, you just die. Okay. That is interesting. Because, I mean, you could argue
0: that the robots have, could be programmed to have their own uh, lizard brain, right? You could just say, you're a robot. Right. You have to go do this every day or else it's going <laughs> to cause you discomfort.
1: That's my question about Ava. It's like, was she programmed to leave? Or what or did she come to that conclusion on her own that she should that she should leave? Well, I would argue you could program a robot to be infinitely patient. So
0: she wouldn't need to uh like unless you t- programmed her to have like there's just so much that you, you could set yourself. That she could be content content with being in the room.
1: Well, unless she is truly free, right? Unless like Kayla unless like, you know, Nathan just said, Oh, you're awake now, right? There's there's no you figure everything out right he he had um she has like the world's memories right she has blue book which is like google in her head mm-hmm. so she can know she knows a lot about you know things and everything but she she's just like marrying the black and white room she doesn't know anything beyond this room right so she's i don't i like i don't know it's you can say like oh you can program her to do these things or whatever but like it's almost that almost kind of defeats the purpose of it you give her no limitations?
0: Yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't know. It's just so much, he, he obviously uh, talks about how he can't get into how she's programmed or whatever, uh, not because he doesn't think Caleb will understand it, but it's because. It'd be boring. Well, yeah, it's not. it'd be a <laughs> seminar, uh, but but it'd be interesting, you know, because at, at some point, if you could look at that and somehow understand it, you might be able to see that, no, she's not acting sentient at all. It's just right. this thing firing,
1: you know? Right, right, right. I don't know. Oh, well, that's... Okay, there's one other thing that, that I had to bring up, and that's um, uh, Nathan, when Nathan... No, Caleb asked Nathan why he built Ava. And Nathan says something like, "You wouldn't you if you could? And he s- says that, like, uh, AI is an inevitability. Yeah, it's the uh, Pickle Rick argument. W- what's that? It's uh, when they asked Rick why
0: he turned himself into a pickle, and he said, it's because I can't. <laughs> he's like I'm the only person who can and anyone else uh, who, who could would do it but they can't I'm the only one who can so that's why I did it and that's why he's it, it's, <laughs> I was hoping you'd know that reference it's,
1: uh, I do know that reference but I don't agree at all with it <laughs> he's,
0: uh, well, he's saying it's, an, 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 like, it, it's different because Rick does it because he's the only one who can uh, and Nathan does it because it's an inevitability and he can uh, because if he doesn't someone else
1: will Right, but doesn't that mean he's acting automatically? And that AI is the, like, was always meant to come from humans. Human beings are automatically, without hesitation, you know, going to create AI. Ooh. I mean, I don't know, maybe. Se- it definitely seems inevitable right now. Definitely does. Mm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's why this movie is haunting. Okay all right well I, we'll, I we'll get my piece out yeah yeah we'll, we'll uh we still have a little bit more to talk about ai but um let's continue with our quotes here which we're we're somehow in the still on the quote section <laughs> um okay so this is a short excerpt that happens when caleb is flying in at the very beginning that i thought was just worth exploring real
1: quick how long until we get to his estate <laughs> We've been flying over his estate for the
0: past two hours. So, when I heard that, I was like, "Whoa, two hours in a helicopter!" Uh, first off, how did you not ask that earlier? Because it's been two hours. But also, <laughs> <laughs> but also, what a huge estate! So, I looked it up, and nor- uh, like a normal helicopter, at least helicopters that look like that one. I don't know helicopters very well. Apparently, can top out their their speed at about 160 miles per hour i'm gonna assume they weren't hauling uh like they weren't trying to get their like the fastest speed possible so let's just bump it down to maybe 100 miles an hour still two hours that's 200 miles this state is absolutely gigantic which maybe it took the long way Maybe or, I, when he's t-
1: flying in a big circle.
0: That's what I thought when he first said that. He's like, "I've been fl- we've been flying over <laughs> the state for two hours. I've just been like trolling you
1: and waiting <laughs> for you to ask. if we are there yet?" <laughs> but but I mean that makes sense. You can't see the house like you can't see the house that well. Yeah, it's well, like pretty far from the.
0: Well, um, what I what I'm getting at is that it creates a reasonable situation for there to be no cell signal and mm-hmm. that's the first thing about this movie that you have to get over is you can't have the him have access to the internet and the outside world and i think they do an okay job of covering that up
1: yeah it does seem I a little think, weird i think to- it's really i th- i heard i read this uh, review that said it was um indicative of the shining this isolation feeling mm-hmm. like there's very limited cast right and there's also like there's there's no one for miles, no one to call for help. Right, you know, it's
0: scary. Yeah, and and uh, not signing the non-disclosure agreement until you get there. That should be a gin- ginormous red flag. But uh, but anyways, yeah, but that's how you
1: force people to do it. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> I would probably would have done it too. Um, but anyways, so the, now uh, this next one, which we've been talking for a while now, and this is about to open another Pandora's box. So we'll try oh, to we'll try to <laughs> limit this, but. uh It's, I thought this was an intriguing conversation.
1: And In answer to your real question, you bet she can fuck. What? In between her legs, there's an opening with a concentration of sensors. You engage them in the right way, creates a pleasure response. So if you wanted to screw her, mechanically speaking, you could, and she'd enjoy it.
0: So I feel like this is such an obvious, thing that you have to bring up when you start making artificial intelligence that looks realistic because this already definitely exists not as convincing as it is in this (laughs) but it definitely does exist and it's uh something that's coming up i think sooner than people expect i'm not sure
1: how our society will accept it in but i think it's worth talking about um for me this like this is like another um i'm taking this back to where we were going but (laughs) this is kind of another uh example of nathan manipulating caleb he is showing he's not just nathan being perverted even though he definitely is he he's saying oh look like it's so much it's so much more enticing to save the cute girl than it is to save the gray box um and this is just like him you know sweetening the bait a little bit oh yeah because he especially because he did it with his porn searches so he like (laughs) yeah that was crazy too i i think about that almost every day i think about how like he built that profile off of his like porn searches so he became like ava was the perfect woman in in uh in caleb's eyes yeah it's just that's next level that's so creepy so creepy well and
0: it's it's becoming a thing, right? You'll be able to theoretically mail order your perfect robot woman uh, mm. for your for you to use, and uh, I don't know. I'm I'm wondering where that's gonna go. But I, on the I one hand, that's super creepy, and if you knew somebody who had a <laughs> robot
1: woman, you know, they just kept in their closet, uh, that's weird. But okay, okay. Well, what about like a they have this in in, um, in Ready Player One in the book. They have these haptic suits that you can have sex with, and you can like plug into the VR thing, yeah, and you can like go to orgies. Yeah, is that, is that better or worse, <laughs> or is that the same as having a sex robot? <laughs> uh,
0: I don't know. It it sounds like a sex robot with more. Parts. Like that's just a, a sexual about with extra steps. extra steps yeah that's another Rick and Morty um, <laughs> reference for you but it's <laughs> I don't know I, I I honestly don't know the psychology behind people who are uh sexually violent like for sexual assault and stuff like that like mm. what leads people to do that and their motivations behind it um because i get the impression that part of the reason they, it's so satisfying them is that there is a victim involved um but i've also heard like the incel community where people are led to violence just because of they can't have sex nobody wants to have sex with them so maybe this is like uh, a pacifier in some mm. c- capacity where it's like all right you don't have to be sexually unsatisfied anymore you can get one of these robots and there's no victims there's no woman who's held down and has to be there because like this is something that is you can't control you yeah you have to but do.
1: that's the thing is like if the robots were like ava and kyoko in this movie then aren't they like just as human right i don't know that's that's, that's the, the th- gray like,
0: area do you give a <laughs> sex robot sentience though i feel like you don't <laughs>
1: yeah that's the thing Uh, that's the thing i don't know there's this whole other element to this movie it's kind of like ava as the femme fatale of like she seems like she's a damsel in distress and he's saving but she really she's the one manipulating all the strings and stuff yeah i think it's really interesting um but i don't think we really have time to get into the feminist angle of this movie
0: i think we're gonna uh yeah, and I also don't want to spend too much time on this subject, but uh, I think it's one of the things that is in this movie that it, you'll see in real life. It's already happening in real life. Mm. Uh, so it's, I don't know. Yeah,
1: I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to push it out of my mind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Joey. I think you know what it's time for.
1: Yes, it's time for us to go a little deeper, deeper, deeper. Deep. Okay, so I got some questions. Hopefully, you can give me some answers. Oh, bro. Maybe not. I don't know. The point of this is we'll figure it out together. Yeah. Okay, so why, ending the movie, why did Ava leave Caleb? Okay,
0: so I don't know, but this is my uh, theory. Okay. It is that she didn't, it was either leave him or kill him. Why? Because she wants to go join society.
1: And she can't do that if anyone knows she's a
0: robot. Well, she might be able to if Caleb promises not to like to tell anybody. But Caleb's been a liar this whole movie. Why would she ever <laughs> trust him? So, I think leaving him behind. It was either kill him or, or leave him behind, and and mm-hmm. like because this way she covers all of her bases, uh, or at least almost completely if somebody yeah. shows up at the house they're probably going to be like hmm what, what happened what-? what are these schematics for a girl i know <laughs> yeah <laughs> what, what about this footage of a robot that's not here anymore uh, but <laughs> but she uh so i think that is it she's just covering her tracks
1: yeah i i agree with that it's just so that that like subtle look right where she walks out she locks the door behind her caleb's still in the room he's banging on the door telling her like let me out let me out she gets in the elevator and then there's this little look to the side, like into the audience. I mean, it's only like a half a second. Oh, yeah. The audience knows that she sees him and left him there on purpose. It's like there's no question at all. It's not like she forgot or anything. She's like, no, I'm leaving you here. And she says that to him. She says, um, w- will, you will you be just, staying like, here? Will you, will you stay here?
0: Yeah. And it's
1: uh... and he doesn't understand. <laughs> she's totally screwing him. Yeah. Uh, powerful moment, though. Really powerful moment. Okay, so here's, a, here's another good question. Is hating your creator an inherent trait of being created? This is like when uh, you know, Ava and um, Nathan are talking, she says to him, what's it feel like to create something that hates you? It must feel normal. <laughs> must feel yeah. Like- <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, like is, the question is uh, a, little, a little further to this. Is, is creating life a moral action.
0: I don't know. I, I like one way to look at it is by creating life. You're creating suffering exactly because you give them a there'd they would
1: objectively suffer. be less suffering if there was less life. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: which you, you sound like Thanos right now. I know, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a gray area. I, I don't know because obviously for anything for anything good to happen to something, it has to exist first. But yes, Obviously exactly. existing almost
1: definitely ensures suffering. Yes. And that's like that's crazy, right? Like that you can bring something into this world for just for it to, to suffer. I was I've been thinking about this like sci fi concept, which I don't have very well developed, but this idea of like aliens that get to choose whether they are born or not i say aliens just because i'm thinking about in alien context but like any life form Uh that had the choice to be born i mean Mm -hmm. how would that even work right because you'd have to exist before you were born but like like us humans are in this interesting predicament right where like we suddenly exist and we just have to deal with it yeah there's there's not like a guidebook there's not like a tutorial section there's not you know there's not like a um A choice in it right like you're suddenly here and you have all of these feelings and problems and other things um and there's there's chances of you know great pleasure and you know fulfillment and happiness but there's also like you said guarantees of suffering and unhappiness oh yeah and i mean you just that's the human condition really is dealing with the fact that you exist but you never chose to be exi- to exist, and now you have to deal with all these other choices that are thrust upon you.
0: I, I always like to joke about uh, with my own future, because uh, currently I'm 23, and I don't want to have kids right now. I don't know what the future will hold. I've changed a lot in the last few years, and I have a, I have a feeling I'm going to keep changing. You know, the 20s are a volatile time. So yeah. I don't know what my stance is on having a kid somewhere down the line. But for now, I know for sure I'm going to have a robo-son. And, <laughs> and that way, he can just download uh, quality time with me. And I don't actually have to, uh, you know, inconvenience myself. You can just drink beer and, and
1: neglect your family. I can what? can drink beer and neglect your family. Yeah,
0: I can drink beer and neglect my family. One of my favorite Flash games. Uh, I'll link to that, actually. in the description. Drink beer and neglect family. Um, but... I uh, I always talk about having my robo-son because I don't want to have to bring something into this world that's going to suffer. And my mm. robo-son won't be entirely sentient. He'll just be there to be my robo-son when I don't want him around. I just turn him off and not feel bad about it. But this movie is maybe throwing some uh, throwing a wrench into that whole operation. Don't turn I- me
1: off, Dad. <laughs> I don't want to go to sleep.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. What have I done bringing my robo-son into this cruel world? <laughs>
1: All oh, the kids call me Metal Butt or something. I oh, don't know. <laughs> that's my uh, 32nd, uh, third grade insult. Yeah, I don't
0: know. See, I'd have to make that choice too. Do I send my Robo-son to human school or do I just have him download all the knowledge in the universe from home <laughs> and then take full credit for it and claim that it's homeschooling? <laughs> Your Robo-son is so smart. Yep. <laughs> that's yeah,
1: that's yeah. all me. That's it, uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: I uh, <sighs> So... I don't know this. Uh, I might have to stop making that joke because <laughs> it, it's it's just as cruel. Um, bringing my little Robo son into this world.
1: Yeah. Okay. I Got another question for you. Okay. But um, so yeah, are we living automatically? We kind of touched on this a bit, but I'm going to ask you directly. Are do you have a choice in the matter? I mean, in your life, like. Not in choice of existing. We already covered that. We don't. If you... Do you have a choice in, like, what you do? Or are you just acting according to processes that are already in place? Can you Do you have free will? Can
0: you know? Can you know? I think the fact that we can think about it is something. It's a step in the direction towards free will to even be Mm -hmm. able to conceive the uh, notion that we might not have free will. But... I don't know how you'd ever definitively prove that you're living with free will and not just yeah. acting automatically.
1: It's not just thinking about thinking. It's thinking about thinking about thinking. Like it's it's going that extra step and saying like, what exactly is consciousness? Is consciousness an emergent? Like that's something that he that that uh, I think Caleb brings up is is consciousness an emergent property of like other brains communicating. Like, if you lived alone on a desert island, would you ever have an original thought? Ooh, would you think in a language? I think they brought that
0: up with mm-hmm. the, uh, some people believe that language exists when you're born, and it's just, mm-hmm. uh, like, your ability to express it or whatever, uh, which I thought was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that's, I talked about in this movie, too, because Ava knows language when she was born, but Caleb had to learn it. Right, right. So, I don't know it's there's this there's this cool meme that's going around right now called the npc meme i don't know if you've heard about this it. it's become very controversial really very political very political um uh, but it's it's really interesting i think it's it's pretty clever um the idea is that it was just kind of a stupid joke that somebody put i think like on reddit or 4chan or something they were like i have a theory that reincarnation is real, and there's only a limited number of actual souls, and everybody else is an NPC. <laughs> and here are the like the traits of being an NPC is like, oh, you like mainstream movies, oh, you like like pop music, oh, like you know you eat at Applebee's. I don't know. It's like it could be any it could be anything, right? Yeah. Like that that's where it becomes political. It's like oh, the right is all made of NPCs. Oh, the left is all made of oh, NPCs. Oh But um, but I think this is interesting, right? Like how much of your life is just acting automatically in are what's the if if you were a non-player character in a video game would your life be that different than how it is now oh god <laughs> oh my gosh that's a tough question i mean we kind of we kind of treat other people at least people that we're, we're not close to as npcs you know it's hard to to be constantly aware of the personhood of other people and we often treat other people as means to ends. You know, this cashier is taking too long. Oh, these people in traffic are, you know, are slow and everything. You don't think about, you know, them behind, like the story behind it. You just think, oh, these are people in my way. These are just NPCs.
0: It's, uh, I can kind of liken this to playing Madden and watching football in real life where things.
1: Oh, if you like sports, you're definitely an NPC.
0: well the the game itself one of my favorite things to do is to try to simulate real football in the game which is really hard because the games they make suck so you have to like (laughs) doing a lot of editing to try to make it more realistic anyways um me and my friends will sometimes postulate on which people in the nfl are players like players playing Madden and which ones are just the computers uh, which are always worse so there was like a situation David Johnson plays for the Cardinals and he's so good just outrageously good on a very bad team and you can play it different ways in Madden you can control the entire team you control one player you can be the coach stuff like that and we always postulated David Johnson is a creative player somebody logged on to Madden and made David Johnson with outrageous stats and he's just so good (laughs) and we're like yeah obviously he's gonna do good he's controlled by the Creative player. Meanwhile, the Patriots are, are. Bill Belichick is the player because mm. he's always making these ridiculous trades and doing all like making the smartest moves. Where you're like, he should turn the difficulty up. Like he's, <laughs> it's he's playing on an easy mode. He should turn the difficulty up. So I I. I, I <laughs> I definitely understand what you're talking about this NPC meme. Um, I'm gonna definitely have to look into that. Is there a good place yeah. where we could send our listeners? Like, is there a Reddit post or something? Uh, I don't. Not, I don't have anything links, but I can look one up and rfr r slash meme economy. Uh, nah, <laughs> nah, I haven't seen it on there. Don't like that
1: one as much. I thought I subscribe to it. Go to know your meme. Know your meme has all the best.
0: Know your meme is such a good, uh, very reference. good resource. Yeah, um, but yeah, underrated. I, I do like that uh, NPC. Uh, I mean, it's kind of just derivative of just like, am I the only human? Uh, exactly. It's just, yeah. you know, you can never really prove it.
1: <laughs> right. The other, okay, so there's one, I got one more uh, deep question for you. Okay. And this is about um, something called Last Thursdayism. I've also heard other names for it. But basically, it's this idea that the universe was created last Thursday or very, very recently. And um, all your memories and all that stuff is just implanted into your brain. Um, so Ooh. this is something that Caleb kind of addresses directly when he cuts his arm open, thinking he's a robot. Right? He he's asking. He's really asking. Can he trust his own memories? You know, did his life even exist before he showed up in this house?
0: Yeah, I, that's such a terrifying question. Especially now. I I talked about how I'm in my twenties now. The mm. difference between my memory of when I was really young now and my dip memory of when I was really young when I was like nine or ten. Is ridiculous. It's yeah. it's like there's sometimes you're like, was I even ever that young? You know, <laughs> like when they ask that question, yeah. what's your earliest memory? Did you think to yourself what your own earliest memory is? Yes, I did. What did you? What is yours? Do you, you want to? I don't even know if this is real or not. That's exactly. Yeah, but what was it? What was the thing you? Remember?
1: Um, it's uh, it was my third birthday party cake. I remember the cake. Okay, like you it was, remember you know, a white cake, the cake with trains on it. Yeah.
0: I the the first thing I, I remember. I remember I I have no idea how old I was, but I was like really young and and, which makes me not really trust the memory that well. But I do remember being in like next to the doorway between the living room and like the at the time it was like a screened in porch. Uh, And I was sitting in one of those little like I don't know if it was like a rocking one. But, you know, you put a like the baby lies down and it has like a handle at the top and you can carry your baby around in that thing. Mm -hmm. And I just remember like seeing for the first time it obviously wasn't the first time i used my eyes but i like opened my eyes and i was like it was like waking up from a dream you're like oh i'm here and that's it i just remember where i was and like i don't remember if my eyes opened or if that's just like my brain turned on but i was like whoa and then that was it that's and then that's that's insane and then it was like years (laughs) later the next time i have like a memory it's like years later so it's 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 bizarre
1: uh, right well there, there's this really good vsauce video i like a lot about missing it's called misnomers and it's about how we have like names for things that don't make sense and one of the things they talk about at the end of the video is like yourself and how you like physically you are not the same person you were seven years ago all of your cells have been replaced oh, completely yeah. the memories that you have right now have also been like you only remember stuff That you can re-remember, if that makes sense. Yes. Like, every time you remember, remember something, that is like a copy of a copy. And then it just gets more and more degraded until, like, it becomes something that you don't even recognize. So it doesn't become a memory at all. So, like, you can, like, you are the person that you were, but not anymore. And you're going to be something else later.
0: Which, for me, is simultaneously terrifying and relieving yeah uh, which that's it's one of the things that's so scary about our legal system with how much it relies on memory and how yeah. it, it's so unreliable so uh I think it's just important to understand how unreliable your own memory is
1: yes i mean you can misremember pretty much so much i mean anything really it's um it's crazy and, and it, i mean I, I've been listening to um Carl Sagan's uh, book um the demon haunted world science is a candle in the dark he talks about how people have implanted memories and how people have like during hypnosis uh people have a therapists or hypnotists have implanted memories into people and then they recall them with like perfect clarity thinking that it, it actually happened to them it's so it's insane how malleable your memory is but i mean okay this whole last thursdayism something is like it's i mean you could just say anything right it's like oh you know what if we were all, what if y'all had things coming out of our heads? Like, and then we didn't like, it doesn't mean anything to say that the universe only existed recently, but it's interesting to kind of postulate over like if your memories are real and if you can really remember anything. Yeah. But I, I (laughs) I can barely remember the beginning of this podcast, (laughs) right?
0: I try to uh, look at it from the positive way. And it's like, and like, you just you just stay in the moment, you know, live now, yeah. and uh, try to enjoy that as much as you can because you might just forget about it in the future
1: anyways. That's the kind of yeah, that's the kind of lesson I take away from it too. It's like you can you have to learn from your past and plan for the future, but you have to live in the present,
0: right. Well, it's like comparing the weekend to the work week, you know, mm. you're like, oh man. It's the weekend. Better enjoy this as much as possible. I have to enjoy this right now. And then before you know it, it, you're at work again. You can remember being out there, but you're like, man, but right now I'm here. And it's like, (laughs) this is all I know. Until, you know, and then like sometimes when you're having a really good time, I've done this before. I try not to do this because I feel like it kind of ruins it. But you're like, oh, I'm having a really good time. Uh, maximum enjoyment. Like, try to enjoy it as, <laughs> as much as possible while it's <laughs> happening because you know that it's not going to last forever, uh, right? Um, it's totally futile, though, because yeah. eventually you'll be weeks in the future and you, you might not even remember it. So, uh, I, I, my stance I take on it is kind of just like a uh, casual and uh, positive. And I'm just like, try, you know, the good stuff you remember is good. And the other, if you can't remember the other stuff, don't worry about it.
1: Yeah. Um, there's a really, it's another uh, really interesting quote that I like that kind of gives me a little bit of um, hope. This is also from um, a Vsauce video that I found, but it's, uh, it's a quote from uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson. And he says, I cannot remember the books I've read any more than the meals I've eaten. Even so, they have made me.
0: Yes, okay, and that is the um yeah, that's the final part of it that I do enjoy is even if you can't remember it, it is ma- it does make you part of who you are. It's almost yeah. like going to the gym, you know? It's like mm-hmm. you you go to the gym and you lift weights and you do a bunch of stuff. You do that every day for a long time and even though you can't remember every second of every session, the your physique has changed. It's it's, right. it's like a visual. You still
1: see the results. Yeah. And it's hard to yeah, just because you don't remember it happening. You, just be, you still learned yes. every time you went there and it, you got a little bit better and a little bit stronger each time
0: and yeah that's like a visual or physical representation of what's going on in your mind and it's like even though i don't remember doing this it still made me who i am right now it's still yeah. it is still part of the picture it's not completely without value even if i can't remember it it's good stuff it's yeah it's 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 horrifying but it's it's good stuff all right <laughs> so let's go ahead and uh Give uh deliver our ratings here. Though. Oh yeah, okay. So um, um I uh I, I want to go first. I guess. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so I give this movie one choreographed robot dance party to celebrate oh, how gosh. good this
1: movie is. <laughs> Dude, I love that scene so much. That's top. That's like top three best scenes in this movie. It's top three best gifts. Where. <laughs> <laughs>
0: where Oscar Isaac is dancing with uh Kiyoko and they do that little like wrist spin pull move. So good. I actually uh, what is for- he- I forgot it was from this movie actually. I've what did he guy. say
1: again? Um if so- oh, he says uh he says uh oh you tore up her picture. This he is I'm gonna tear up the fucking dance floor, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> and in that in that same uh, spirit, I give this movie too many beers.
0: Nice. Too many beers. Um <laughs> that was uh I, I i really enjoyed it it was great i'm so glad we got to talk about it again me too We could probably go on and on but as it stands we're getting towards close to an hour and a half so i think we're gonna yeah so let's let's end it here, here. so uh <laughs> for affable chat i'm benjamin and i'm joey thanks for listening hey thanks for listening to affable chat you can find us on itunes google or your favorite podcast app if you want to help us grow the podcast share it rate us five stars and or write us a review it really helps have a comment about something we said tweet at us at affable chat or write us an email affable chat at gmail.com check the description for links to any of the outside topics we discussed and once again thanks for listening we'll see you next time